You have reached Minions and Musings. Please hold. Your call is important to us. Back with another one of those block rockin' beats. Hey, it's Evil Jeff once again calling Collective Time, coming at you. Thanks for the two guys that called in. We're going to hear from Carl, and we're going to hear from Che Webster, and we're talking Talislanta. Most likely, the next set of calling collectives are going to be about the Talislanta stuff that I'm doing, going through all of the different books. Uh, there might be some other things sprinkled in here or there, but for the most part, this is triple T time. The Tal's Lanza Talks. So, without further ado, let's hear what Carl's got to say. Hey, Jeff. Carl here. Thank you for doing this series. I'm excited for it. I did go and download a lot of stuff from Talislanta. I... Not at my computer, so I can't check exactly what I have, but I know physically I have the Talislanta 4th edition book from around 2002, it looks like. And I also got, I guess I was going to run this at some point. Um, this is from 2002, and then and I'm done by Shooting Iron. That's the publisher, I guess. Um, and it actually says in the introduction that since 1987, they had gone through four different publishers and one non-publisher. So when he was keeping the the rights and then three different editions and then the aborted fourth edition. But I also got the Chronicles of Thomas Lanta around that same time. That's more like a gazetteer, which is kind of cool. Yeah, um, the gazetteer feel uh, is definitely strong in the Chronicles of Thomas Lanta. That is an upcoming podcast. Uh, it should be, uh, if I'm thinking correctly, by the time I push this out, not the next one, but the one after that. I, we should be finishing up the initial book here with our next podcast on Talislanta. One thing I, I did a little bit of looking at, uh, especially after uh, the big time talk that Jason over at Nerds RPG Variety Cast held, with you know for St. Patrick's Day and we all showed up and uh, Minion, uh, also known as Rob, <laughs> uh, but he had mentioned he had Talislanta and played it. And when he was talking about the book that he had and when he played it, in my head I had the time frame off, so I had to go and look and see what's going on. And I'll talk more about that as we uh, go through these podcasts and everything with the books. But it is quite surprising to see that they went from a first edition to a second edition within just a couple years. And in fact, what it looks like is that they were putting out a book for one edition, and then about the same time, or very shortly thereafter, the next edition comes out. To me, that's a little bit of poor timing, but, you know... I mean, you produce more stuff for one edition, and you know people could make it work with the next edition if they wanted to. So, I'll talk more about that as we go along. But thanks for calling. I'm glad you're listening in. All right, Che Webster has been eager to hear me talk about this, 
and he's called in after each one of the podcasts, so let's take them one at a time. Evil Jeff, it's Che. I just wanted to say thank you for the first episode in the Talaslanta season. Uh, really enjoying that stuff. Um, you reminded me why I like Talaslanta in terms of the game system. Um, so I remember coming across that uh, relatively recently, but really enjoyed what I read. Um, but I tell you what I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to when you start talking about Talaslanta as a world as well, as a setting in a little bit more detail. So uh, please keep it coming. Um, just... I just loved your musings around the sort of core mechanism of Talisland. So, and you're right, 1987, you know, a really good, solid example of a core mechanism in, in a role-playing game. And um, I just had one query, really, which was you kind of straight up were saying, hey, you can tweak this, you can change this. And I just kind of wondered what it would be like to try it out, to play it. Like, why don't we just try the rules? I think you said before, you know, why not just try things out and then, you know, you tweak it as you need to. Isn't that what you said? Anyway, thanks, man. Game on. As I move on to the Chronicles of Talislanta, uh, not this podcast coming up after this one, but the following one, uh, you'll get more of the world setting there, so you'll hear a little bit more about it. But there's a later call that we have here uh, where I'm going to address something else that you brought up. Um, now, I had to go back and listen to what you were saying about fiddling with things, you know, running rules as written and so forth. Um and I know what I wanted to say, and I didn't say it quite effectively in that point. But what I was trying to do was saying that you could take that action table that is in Talislanta for other games, for other stuff. Yeah, you're probably right. Let's run it rules as written. You know, if we're playtesting something and then start tweaking it. But the idea of the tweaking and everything was meant for going to other systems that were not actually Talislanta. That's what I was trying to emphasize at that point. Um, again, that one singular act, uh, action table, you know, unified mechanic, could this be extremely effective for us to use in other places? So that's where I was getting at with that. But thanks for pointing that out. Hey there, Jeff. Just phoning in after the second episode of Talaslanta. I really enjoyed listening to you talk through the sort of core mechanisms of play um, in the Talaslanta game. You know, no problem there. I am, however, really intrigued to hear about what makes the world special um, and different. Uh, you've made some hints. I'm really quite fascinated by how the magic might be. I know mechanically how that works now, but, you know, actually what kind of stuff's in there, what kind of spells, what kind of... Um, you know, even down to what kind of magical creatures and things are in the world. I'm fascinated by all of that. Um, I guess I ought to really go and read it. One thing is that I was just struck in the mechanisms you were talking about, I was just struck by the actual similarity between that game, and I think it's about 87, is it? Um, Talazant of Edition 1. The similarity between that and actually GURPS mechanically, which of course is 1986. So, hmm, it got me thinking. Anyway, thanks, man. Game on. As for similarity to GURPS magic, uh, you'll know that better than I will as you've spent more time in those rules. Uh, so yeah, I encourage you to pull out your Talislanta book or PDF, whatever, and kind of look through it real quick on how they do magic and compare it to GURPS, and you'll probably come back and mention that later on, but I don't doubt it, and especially for something all coming in around the same time, could 
I mean, because GURPS was out, well, no, they're about the same time. So, you know, one wonders at this point if both Steve Jackson and our Talislanta writers, if they saw the same thing somewhere else and adapted it. You know, it's a thought. Who knows? All right, let's get to your last comment that you made. Hey, Jeff. Thanks very much for Talas Atlanta, the dive into first edition part three. Uh, we're getting into the appendices, and I really enjoyed particularly talking about the different, uh, well, the word I think is race, is it? Like uh, the idea of race or profession. Really intriguing. You focused a lot on the ones that you couldn't see being used or you thought might be more NPC stuff. I'm kind of curious, which of the races do you think you would see out there in use? Um, of those 80 professions, you know, are you saying, are you suggesting that many of them aren't really for the players? And if so, how many are? Um, I'm really curious, you know. Um, is it going to boil down to like the same old, same old? Or is it going to boil down to some pretty cool and interesting choices that are clearly meant to be for players. I'm really curious. Tell me what you think, man. Game on. Man, you wanted to make me work for this one. God. So what would you use? I mean, out of these so-called 80 types of characters that you could have, which ones could you use? Which ones would you not use them or NPC and everything? So yes, I sat down and we kind of went through it. Now these are just a rough number. I might be off by two or three to a degree. This is my opinion. But ones that I would say you definitely would use, you're talking about 48 to 50 races, character types uh, that you would probably end up using. Now as to your thought there, this is all going to be samey-samey. Talons Lanta will not let you be samey-samey. Now, yes, you will have characters that will do a lot of the same thing. But motivations, uh, who will interact with them, who will not interact with them, how they interact with others, that's where a lot of differences come in. So, okay, it's not all going to be truly samey-samey in there. But just as a, a quick hit on this, um, let me see, you know, the Amanian warrior priest, you know, that one I could see being used. Now, the Amanian um, mage there, and I totally blanked on the actual name of that archmage, that's right, Amanian archmage, probably not. So, you know, we automatically cancel that one out. Uh, just kind of a rundown, let's see, Azu warriors. Ariane Druus. They're very, very passive. I could see that Druus being used as only a healer for the group. You know, and getting you through some nature stuff here and there. Um, but, you know, the Ariane are pacifists. They, they, they only fight in extreme circumstances. So, I don't see that being a particular race that's going to get used. Uh, Armite Knife Fighter, the Armite Assassin, Beastman's Plains Hunter, uh, Sermillion Mage. You know, they are, and sorry for my pronunciation on these gentlemen, 
that mage is all about gaining more magic. So I definitely see that type of character going out there trying to find those things that will help you know, satisfy them for magic. You know, Darkling Warriors, Farron Thief, Gnome Kim Warriors, uh, Jaka Beastmaster, Hurricane Warriors, you know, Rahastran Wizard, Rajan Desert Warrior, Assassin, and the Necromancer. As you get into some of these, you also will find that there's some of them that would not work with certain other races. Other races would be offended by them, uh, or they would take offense to another race or something. So, you know, we got to be very careful about racial lines here because that is very, very ingrained into Talislanta. Thrall Warrior, uh, Vajra Engineer, Sarid Warrior, Za Bandit, Utix, Tomb Robber, Kazmir, uh, Moneylender, which, while, you know, Moneylender, what? Well, they do act as thieves. It's not unknown for them to do that. And they are all about making intricate locks and such for that to protect their possessions. So yeah, they definitely would be going out looking for more money, more gold, and you know they would be a good thiefy type to, hey, I need you to break into the lock. And it falls into that sword and sorcery mode where we're not going to have high fantasy where somebody, you know, all these different characters have the possibility of doing something more sword and sorcery where you got the fighters and then you got the other types that are there for their special skills, their special abilities, and that's it. So, yeah, 48 to 50, thereabouts. Um, special cases, I would say, about 8 to 11, 12 of those. And these are only going to be due to where you are uh, playing a type of campaign. Like, let's say, uh, the Gal Sea Rogue, Imrian's uh, Slaver, the, where is the other one? Oceanan Sea Nomad. Those three typically don't leave the water, especially the Oceanan Sea Nomad. They will not go on land. They never set foot on land. That is in the lore. So, I, you know, that would be a special case. If you're doing nothing but raiding sea at the sea and everything like that, and looking for plunder or pirating and things like that. Okay, I can see you doing that. Um, Mark Dung Merchant. Yeah, the Mark Dung Merchant. They are considered a race that is very, very... Uh, they're harbingers of bad stuff. Because it's just like, you know, every time you turn around, something bad happens to that race. It, it, they start to get... It's, one step forward, five steps back with them. So, are you going to play that race on a normal basis? I can see it as a very special thing here and there, but not that often. And there's a, you know, you're talking 8 to 12, how you ever want to look at it in there. And then there's the rest of them, about 15 or so, that I don't think you would ever use. Or could use. The Aryan Ariane Mystic. Again, the Ariane are 
very pacifist. This mystic is only worried, you know, only going to be gathering information, doing magic, things like that. You know, they're all parts of trans ascendance. So they're all philosophy type stuff there. That is not one that's going to go out and do things. You know? The Bodor musician, which, you know, that's what they do. They go around playing music, traveling musical troops. Um, and when you look at their skills, musicianship, diplomacy, merchant trader, that's really where all their skills are at. I, I mean, you, are you going to play it? Well, that could go into the special case type character, but really, I, I don't know about that. Uh, the blue Ardua river warrior, as it says in the comments, they are protectors of their race. If you're protectors of the race, you're probably going to stay, for the most part, in and around the people you're sworn to protect. Now, this could be another special case where you go out and you're doing something. But I seriously doubt that this particular uh, race is going to stray too far away from home. Um, what else was there? Uh, the Mirren Alchemist which are basically working for the government that they're part of. Did I say that one right, Marin? Uh, yeah, they only work for the government of Lahan. And, you know, and the government treats them with great respect and honor. So why would that alchemist be going out adventuring? Unless it's going to go get something specific for alchemical, alchemical stuff. Or has to go out to do maybe, because uh, they are listed as having skills as an artificer. So now we're going to make magical machina machinations and everything. So, uh, but not really. The Hedgen Noble, the Quan Noble, they get other people to do stuff for them. In fact, you look at the Quan Noble, they have all negative stats. Either their stats are average at zero or they're negatives. So, especially when you get other races, things to do, and you're enslave other races to do things for you, are you really going to play one of those? Especially when other races look at you and like, you know what, you, you suck, I don't like you. And then there's other races here that just nobody likes. They're highly suspicious of them. So it's not going to work out too well. You know, the Naku cannibal and the Naku witch doctor. You know, very superstitious. They prey on other humanoids. You know, party members are potential walking sacks of meat for them to eat. So I don't see where that gets along. You know, the... Nefaratun Black Savant. Okay? Be great mages and everything. But here's the thing. Comments. Black Savants are greatly feared by other folk. They avoid contact with outsiders and communicate mainly by means of arcane signs and gestures. So, either you're playing an entire group of Black Savants... Or 
you've got a GM that's just going to be very loose and or somebody's come up with some crazy backstory that lets them do so. You know, nobody knows of their homeland. Nobody knows much of their homeland. Nobody knows much of their culture. So, you know, I don't see that being something you play. So, there's several of them like that. Uh, the Ur Warlord. Ur Warlords are basically out to, con you know, have conquest of the Western lands. They live in the eastern part of Talislanta. And they're all about taking over other places. I don't see where you're going to be able to play an Ur-Warlord and go into other areas of Talislanta and somebody be like, oh, heck no, and that character getting killed or being targeted or something like that. So, yeah, there, there's still some of them I don't think you're going to realistically use could you make cases for them probably but I, I don't think so yeah that was a <laughs> definitely a longer rant there so we've uh, pushed the time up on this podcast quite a bit with what I was saying there Thank you for listening in today. Appreciate those calls. Che, Carl, keep it up. Glad you're enjoying this so far. Everybody else, I know I can see that people are listening. So appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to the ramblings thereabouts. If you have any questions, bring them on. Let's do it. But everybody, be good, be safe. And we'll hear from you again in the near future. Thank you for calling Minions and Musings. We hope to hear from you again.